This show is a part of the Versus the Universe Network. For more information on Versus the Universe, go to versustheuniverse.com. That's vstheuniverse.com. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Hey everyone, welcome to Digital Dumpster Diving, where we dig through digital games and movies trying to find something worth our time and maybe yours. Will we find trash or treasure? I'm Dave, and with me is... Matt Peters, hello. How's things going for you, Matt? Man, Dave, I tell you what, I'm already sick of winter. But and it hasn't even around. started yet. Yeah, yeah, no, this... this uh prequel to winter is not as good as even the uh the star wars prequels i gotta tell you man that's yeah that uh, that's a fair statement yeah yeah that's the measuring stick when it comes to prequels there's star wars that's it first movie that pops into your head when you think prequels star wars well i tell you what this winter prequel worse than that well you know the prequels would have been especially redeeming had someone just stuck a lightsaber through jar jar binks's head that would have been interesting, yes. <laughs> you know, I, I was waiting for that in episode three. You knew it was going to be dark. You knew a lot of people were going to die. All I wanted was just a lightsaber through Jar Jar's head, and it would have been, I would have been okay with that. Toys need to be sold, Dave. What can I say? <laughs> yes, they do. Yes, they do. You been up to anything exciting? You mentioned Star Wars. What did you think of the new movie? I really dug it. Um, I know a lot of our listeners have partaken in Rogue One. I saw it on opening night and I absolutely loved it. I saw it in a theater full of like-minded individuals who wanted to celebrate the Star Wars universe together. And man, did they ever. I mean, there were so many (laughs) moments. And of course, we're not going to spoil Rogue One for you guys. But I mean, every Star Wars fan, hopefully by now, has seen this movie because it is Hopefully, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I really dug it. Did you see it yet? Oh, yeah. I saw it opening night and... You know, again, I'm going to be very careful with how I say this. There are certain things that are in the movie. There are certain things that are not. But overall, overall, I would say that in most aspects, this is on par with the with the best of the the movies, with episodes four, five, and six. I agree. Yeah, it fits right in there, and they do that with just such painstaking detail. Uh, There's so many shout-outs, so many Easter eggs in there for people. Characters from uh, lore that you didn't think would ever make it to the big screen. Like, And this isn't a big spoiler, but the character that uh, Forrest Whitaker plays, Mm -hmm. I didn't realize because I... I was adamantly against the the uh, 3D version of Clone Wars. <laughs> I didn't know his character had already appeared on the show. That's kind of cool. Yes, it has. Well, I, 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 if I'm not mistaken, he was a regular. I'm not sure if it was on the Rebels or if it was on the Clone Wars series, but I, I yeah, yeah he's, it was, uh, he's been around. It was Clone Wars, but I saw announced today, actually, they're going to bring the character in the Rebels as well, and he's going to be voiced by Forrest Whitaker this time around. So, Ooh, very nice. Yeah, they're really working hard to weave this universe together in such a coherent way with the books and the movies and the tunes. I love it. I love every bit of it. Well, for our listeners who have not seen the movie or are interested in it, I personally enjoyed the lead-up book of Star Wars Catalyst. Yeah, you were telling me about that. I, I need to go back and check that out myself. Yeah, I listened to it on the audiobooks, and some of the characters aren't very well fleshed out in the movie. I mean, they're there, but you get a lot of backstory that is very helpful to capture the gravity of some of the scenes if you've read the books. And I could spoil some of that for you later if you're interested. But okay. Well, it's I something won't. that maybe I'll have to listen to on my way to Las Vegas later on in January, which will be attending CES. So much awesomeness will be had. Are you excited, so much awesome. man? I am. I am. It's going to be amazing. Um, the only thing, there's just so much. There's so much. And I'm trying to figure out how to cram it all into a few days out there. But it will be amazing. Uh, we have some sweet interviews and tours lined up and uh, it's gonna be sweet now have you ever been to a consumer electronics show before um i had tickets last year but uh did not end up actually going so oh. i have not my goodness man i failed no 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 you were just saving it for later this is what the 50th anniversary of the show this is the 50th anniversary wow that can't be right <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting old, man. Well, at least it's not your 50th anniversary, so you still still have a few years before there. That's true. So both Star Trek and the Consumer Electronics Show are 50 years old. Coincidence? I don't know. 
I was going to go somewhere with that, and I've got nothing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but where we are going is to Las Vegas, ladies and gentlemen. These two middle-aged married men are going to Bachelor Paradise to go look at gadgets, and it's going to be awesome. <laughs> uh, not, not those types of gadgets. No, 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 but they have those, but we're going to steer away from that part of the show floor. No, we are going to see virtual reality and, and all kind of stuff. And you know where we're going? We're going so we can watch more questionable movie content and play games on this stuff for our, our loyal listeners of Digital Dumpster Diving. Atlantic Rim in virtual reality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how come they're not making a, an, an Atlantic Rim ride at Universal Studios? They're doing the Avatar thing. They're doing <laughs> Harry Potter World. You know, the Nintendo Land's coming. Why not Atlantic Rim? I think it's time. It is time. We are very drunk right now. I'm <laughs> No, but uh, we may want to get drunk after we talk about today's movie. <laughs> uh, it, it was a movie. It was a movie. <laughs> <laughs> so, a Christmas horror story. What What would you say about a Christmas horror story? What would I say about it? You're welcome to, if you can stomach it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, a Christmas horror story. And I wish I'd have read the description before I watched it. <laughs> a Christmas horror story is a 2015 anthology horror film that was directed by Grant Harvey, Stephen Hoban, and Brett Sullivan. It premiered on July 20th, 2015 at the Fantasia International Film Festival, had a limited theatrical release on October 2nd, 2015, along with a VOD release, which is what we checked out. The film is a series of interwoven stories tied together by a framework story featuring William Shatner as a radio DJ. So (laughs) the overarching storyline, Dangerous Dan is a radio DJ stuck pulling a long shift at the Bailey Downs radio station during Christmas. During his broadcast, a series of four stories are witnessed. So these four stories we have. <laughs> should I should I should I reveal the four stories right off the bat here? Might as well. Okay. All right. So these interweaving stories here. Uh, we have a trio of teens who have decided to investigate a break. Uh, well, uh, uh, they they've decided to investigate a murder at their school, which uh, used to be a a. a a convent? Yeah, it used to be a convent. Um, you know, they're trying to do this whole, like, news sort of thing, and this, this expose, and uh, hilarity ensues, okay? Uh, <laughs> and I should also mention that in these stories, they don't just tell them straight out. They kind of weave in and out of each storyline. Uh, we have another story of a police officer who witnessed the murder that happened at the aforementioned uh, former convent, and is spending Christmas Christmas with his family and hilarity ensues there as well. We'll get into that. Our third story. <laughs> Our third story is a traveling family that goes to visit an, an elderly aunt uh, and they break a family heirloom and this is, uh, it leads them to some horrible side effects with the uh, one and only spirit of Christmas, Krampus. And last but not least, our fourth story features the big jolly elf himself, Santa Claus. He discovers that all of his elves and <laughs> he discovers that all of his elves have turned into zombies. <laughs> After one of the infected elves dies following a fit of rage. My man, I I cannot believe some of the stuff that happened in this film. So that's that's the bare bone synopsis that I can give you without spoiling any of this movie, Dave. <laughs> what did you think of the Christmas horror story, sir? Oh, it was. I mean, with with a horror movie, you never know what you're going to get in terms of content and quality. They vary so widely, and it was. Sweet Christmas. There's a lot of fiddle faddle going on here. <laughs> There's a lot of fiddle faddle. That is a choice, Power Man and Iron Fist reference. <laughs> yeah, man. So um, I guess at this point we should, before we reveal our thoughts about you know the ratings, we should tell the folks about our rating scale. 
So, Dave, what is what is the rating scale here? Uh, so, you know... If overly the, complicated rating scale. Yes, overly complicated. <laughs> well, we could probably add a few more if we really wanted to make it worse, like yeah, this yeah. movie. We probably could. <laughs> uh, so, if something is absolutely unredeemable, there's really no enjoyment whatsoever, we'll probably rate it as a toxic sludge. Okay. Uh, we could have hazardous. Uh, if it's fairly decent, we might rate something as reusable. And if through our searches of digital content we find something that is a diamond in the rough, we'll give you a rating of treasure. Wow. Wow. Okay. All right. I'm pretty sure treasure's not happening here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So I, I guess before I give my rating, I will say I did like how the vignettes were uh, happening concurrently. I think that helped you to forget some of the problems with them as you were switching from vignette to vignette. Yes. Um, I thought that worked for it. The there were some really cool parts. I thought I, I don't. Um, I I have uh, a little bit of virgin ears. <laughs> And uh, there were a lot of colorful metaphors thrown around, so if that's something that bothers you, you probably want to steer clear of this. Yeah, if, if we have to tell you a horror movie's not for the kids, especially one with Santa and Connery zombie elves, this may not be the movie for you. We'll just put it out there. Yes. Yes. I, I, I'm going to have to give this a hazardous. Ooh. I, I, I'm... I was going back and forth. I thought, well, maybe some people might claim it's reusable. Some people might say it's toxic sludge. Uh-huh. I'm going to give it a hazardous. Okay. Okay. I see. All right. All right. I'm cool with that. I can see where you're coming from. You explained your reasoning very well, and I appreciate that. But I'm going to have to disagree with you. <laughs> Dave, we've been through hell, you and I. We've been through Z for Zachariah. Mm-hmm. We've, we've been through the... <laughs> Mentioned ad nauseum, Atlantic Rim. (laughs) Sir, I don't know if it's Stockholm Syndrome. I don't know if it's the spirit of Christmas. But my man, I'm going to give this my first treasure. I was not expecting that. I wasn't expecting it either. (laughs) Dude, okay. All right. All right. So this movie is not quote unquote good. (laughs) I'll say that. But... I grew up on lackluster horror films and, and, and horror films that some would consider lackluster, man. Like one of my favorite uh, horror slapstick movies of all time and one that I feel like really just kind of made that possible, of course, is the Evil Dead films, man. I mean, you know, you can't beat Bruce Campbell getting thrown around a cabin like <laughs> Three Stooges style. He's beating himself up in various states. <laughs> Which, by the way, folks, if you haven't been watching Ass vs. Evil Dead, you owe it to yourself. Forget this movie. Forget this podcast. Go watch that. Um, but come back and listen to us because I, I got a lot more to say about this movie. All right, man. <laughs> um, I'm going to get into great detail about why I enjoyed this movie after we get to the spoiler portion of the show. Yes, but there will suffice be. suffice it to say, it was gory. That's what you want out of a movie. <laughs> there was some action moments in here where a certain character is throwing down that I was just on the edge of my seat for it because <laughs> you didn't expect that out of this. William Shatner, he was there. <laughs> I, I enjoyed his 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 character. It, was, yeah, uh, I, it worked I well. It was good. He, you know what? And I think this is the best, the closest comparison is to say he was, he was basically the Wolfman Jack of the story from American Graffiti. You know, he's just kind of like the radio DJ, of course, and he's telling it while other stuff's going on. But there were surprises, man. There was some stuff that happened in there that I didn't see coming. And that's (laughs) what earned it the top rating for me (laughs) this time around. And I'm going to leave that tease right there. So, folks, if you want to know what type of, like, bludgeon to the head I took to get to this rating, you've got to listen to the spoiler (laughs) portion. So... Submit yourself to a Christmas horror story. Watch it with your loved ones, but not ones you really love because it's still a bad movie. But (laughs) ones who can appreciate a bad movie with you. And then come back and hear hear me talk about why I love it and hear Dave try to knock some sense into me. Um, But before we move on, uh, let's give a shout out. We got to give a shout out to our friends over at Versus the Universe. They put us on. 
Thank you guys so much. Uh, the wonderful podcast network, Aaron Amendola and the crew. Uh, of course, the Versus the Universe podcast. They have the Geek Show. Uh, they have a new podcast, actually. It was centers on, on Disney Fair called Fairest of Them All. And we would be pleased as punch if you were to tune into that as well. I just said please this punch, didn't I? Yes, you did. You gotta edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, if you would like to follow us and all our various shenanigans, you can go to Twitter. We're at the 3D Cast. You can find us on Facebook, Insta, Tumblr, all that stuff. Just search for Digital Dumpster Diving. And when you see Dave and I's digitized faces smiling out of a trash can, you know you're in the right place. And pretty much that's all. Everyone knows they're in the right place when they see me near a trash can. That's just how it works. <laughs> I don't know how we got here, but we got here. That's all that matters. <laughs> well, with that in mind, you have now been warned. You're entering the spoiler-filled portion. So if you do want to watch the movie first, give us a pause and hopefully enjoy the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So... <laughs> <laughs> we, of course, start with America's own, no, not America, Canada's own William Shatner. <laughs> <laughs> but he is a worldwide treasure, this man. You know, it's funny because as we were watching this movie, uh, and unfortunately I subject D to these movies uh, as I watch as well. Uh, <laughs> 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 She's glaring at me from across the room. Um, basically, uh, I, I, was t- I was telling her, like, man, looking at William Shatner now, it is so difficult to see Captain Kirk in this man. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> he's, he's not that man anymore. No, no, he hasn't been Captain Kirk for a very long time. But he is still <laughs> the wonderful William Shatner. So, you know, he totally Shatners this role. No doubt about that. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, so, yeah. All right. So he's a DJ. Uh, pulling long shift, Bailey Downs radio station during Christmas. He's getting kind of tipsy off of the eggnog and stuff like that. We are introduced to him and we're introduced to the weatherman. What was the weatherman's name? It escapes me at the moment. Oh, Norman. Norman Norman. Norman. There we go. Yeah. 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 (laughs) And this guy is anti-Christmas. He's looking sad and down and he basically just holds up this sign and says F Christmas and everything. So it's a little on the nose. But that's fine because William Shatner downplays it and acts like he's the only one in the room anyway. Do you so know we don't who pay saw any that? Attention. <laughs> no, really? <laughs> who saw that? <laughs> Jesus saw that. It's his Jesus birthday. And his dad saw it too. <laughs> that was a great line. That was a great line. Like, you know, this movie is is madcap as like a dead rising, you know, sort of uh sort of environment. <laughs> I love those games, man. Um, and just that that wackiness of them. Uh, yeah, so anyway, he just introduces us uh, to what's going on. Basically, everybody in town is listening to this radio station. And as he goes to a song, it moves us along from story to story. And as I mentioned uh, before, the stories aren't really in any specific type of uh, segregated order. They kind of like, you know, go to commercial break and cut to another story and back and forth like that. So that's kind of cool. Um, the first group that we're introduced to are the kids outside of the school. So Dylan, Ben, and Molly, uh, they decided to break in to the school and film their uh, little unsolved mystery show about some kids who were murdered, basically. What what kind of vibe did you get from these kids from Jump? Well, the, the uh, remarkable attempt at humor at the, almost the first line, um, no, we use protection. <laughs> it's like oh they're really going there um yeah, yeah, but you know a- I, I thought the kids for the most part i thought they they did really well with their role i mean you expect bad acting in in a movie like this but i thought they did really well with it um okay so, so- yeah <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens when i'm so excited about a bad movie i just gotta talk about it <laughs> So these kids, <laughs> you know, they're just so excited to go into the into the into the school. It's break and everything. We get kind of a disturbing behavior kind of thing going on there. They're trying to avoid the principal, and I thought the principal was going to play a larger part in the story. Oh, we, so did I. <laughs> well, like with, with a name like Herod, a name like Herod in like a movie with like Christmas horror, you assume that, that something's going to go on with him. But that, I thought that was a nice little mislead. Yeah. Yeah. 
And you know, it's it's kind of funny too. Like initially, because there was so much, like, um, just so many crucifixes and everything in there. I thought there was going to be some overarching analogy about taking Christ out of Christmas or something like that that they were going to try to hammer us over the head with. But no, no, not at all. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, but there were plenty of jump scares though. I got to say, they were heavy handed with those jump scares. Yes, they were. Well, with the very first one, so the kids, they find, somehow they get a hold of the movie of the police investigation of it, and there's a there's a jump scare that happens in that, and there was a woman screaming as it happened, and it, it worked, but it's like, who's the woman screaming? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there were a lot of unanswered questions here. Um, one thing that I did note, with all of these stories, uh, except for, of course, Santa, how in the hell were they going to explain this to the inevitable police that show up? <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, well, that with every single story, that, that question is brought up. I guess... Not so much with the family part, but we'll get to the, we'll get to them the the traveling family, but we'll get to them. We'll get to them, yeah, yeah. So just to to move along with the kids here, so they end up, of course, trapped in the basement of the school, uh, in the same room as an unused nativity, which they made a point to say, well, you know, we can't use this because you know they're taking there's a war on Christmas and stuff like that. Just very Fox News talking point sort of thing, <laughs> which I thought was pretty on the nose. So <laughs> yeah, so of course they're teenage kids. First, they're wondering how they're going to escape. Then they worry about hooking up because they're teenagers. It's what they do. Uh-huh. Yeah, so that happens. <laughs> <laughs> of course, uh, Dylan, our altruistic uh, you know, hero, who is basically the big strapping guy. He's, he's the one that's been dating Molly. Uh, he turns her down. He's like, no, this is not the time because they're basically in the basement of the school, which is, uh, you know, still got all the crosses and everything up from where the nuns would sleep at night in the convent area. And he's kind of weirded out. So for his trouble, he ends up getting impaled through the face with a cross. I suppose we all have to go somehow. I guess, man. And uh, what a way to go. Uh, <laughs> you know when it when it comes to to teenage teenagers in horror movies turning down sex is not something i thought was gonna happen i gotta be honest with you yeah well apparently you think well at least if they do maybe he'll have a chance of surviving but he was the first one to die so apparently just you know you're gonna die enjoy it i guess yeah i mean hey but then the creepiest creepiest hookup scene ever happened poor mousy ben is asleep during the murdering of Dylan in the other room. And when he wakes up, Molly's still hot and bothered, or possessed Molly's still hot and bothered. She's ready to go. And in this room, full of three wise men, and Mary, and Joseph, (laughs) (laughs) who they keep cutting to, who are creepily staring at them, they hook up. And all of a sudden, Molly snaps back to her senses, and she's like, what did you do? And he's like, what did I do? What did you do? (laughs) And so there's some weird, you know, area there. Um that they did not want to get into at all. They just moved right along from that. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, smartly so. I really didn't trust them to handle that sort of subject matter anyway, so better that they just gloss on past that. All that going on, I, I really don't know how to translate the next portion. Do you want to take a stab at it? So basically, Ben is worried about what's going on, and he's like, where's where, where's our buddy? Where's Dylan? And he's like, uh, you don't want to see. So he goes to the other room, and he finds Dylan with a cross through his eye. Basically, Molly explains that, oh, hey, that girl who died a while ago, well, they were performing an abortion. She still wants her kid. Mm-hmm. And so she's using us to get the kid. And, uh, oh, hey, even though you're the dad, let's kill you too. I don't understand why she didn't just possess both of them. I mean, there are limitations to what zombies can do, or ghosts can do, I guess. Uh, Apparently. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're in a post-PT world, so stuff like this, maybe I'm a little jaded, so it didn't really scare me as much as it could have, but yeah, it was just okay. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, she just walked out. Yeah, yeah. You know, the go after after both the boys are dead, the ghost comes over and pats her on the belly, saying, "Uh, we'll just make sure you are pregnant," and uh, and then opens all the doors so they can get out. Yeah, and that's like convenient. Hooray! They're gone. They're done. 
And I, I will note that the door that was locked that was preventing them from leaving before had the hinges on their side we're, we're not supposed to notice we're not supposed to <laughs> notice that though that's yeah pay no attention to them <laughs> but the hinges ah movie magic <laughs> gotta love it hollywood yeah um, so yeah that was if it had just been that story yes i would have been disappointed because that barely tied into the other stories at all and by barely, that brings us to the second story. The second story, got the police officer. He was the one that noticed, well, that basically investigated the murder of the kids in the, uh, in the prior story. Um, not the kids who were murdered at the end of the story, the kids who were murdered at the beginning of the story. Whatever. It's all fuzzy. Anyway, <laughs> he's freaked out. Uh, <laughs> he has to retire from being a cop, but he's still obsessed with the case and everything like that. But... All that stuff that I just said right there, you think it's important? Absolutely not. Nothing to do with the overall storyline whatsoever. Besides the fact that Ben is troubled. That's all you need to know. He used to be a cop. He's not a cop anymore. (laughs) (laughs) But he still has a gun. And he still has a case file, which he pours over on Christmas Eve. So, this former cop, Scott, for some reason, decides to take his family into the woods and cut down a Christmas tree... In a, a spot that just basically is marked very clearly, do not enter. It's owned by Big Earl. <laughs> <laughs> and so he and his family go in to chop down the tree. They bring the tree home, set it up and everything. All's hunky-dory, except the, uh, the son, who they made sure to let you know was asthmatic, as if that was going to be a story you know, point as well. It's not. Um, <laughs> he gets lost in the woods. Uh, they find him. Or they think they find him. Ooh. And they, you know, family goes home. Like As I mentioned, they put up the tree. Yeah, weird things happen, man. Weird things. Yeah, they, they find him, who they assume there's a son, in the, in the nook of a tree that, you know, perfect for any movie like this. You, you watch a horror movie and you see that tree and you're like, someone's going in there or someone's coming out of there. <laughs> and so the, the kid grabs his dad's arm, but he never talks, never says anything, just looks creepy. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, never use, never needs to use the inhaler again and gets home and has a little appetite. Yeah, so, man. So they're, they're having dinner and the kid's eating and it looks like mom and dad are already finished or something. He's still eating. But no, he's on his second plate and they haven't even started yet. What? Yeah. Yeah. What? That's, yeah. It's kind of strange, you know, but not strange like, oh, he must be possessed by some type of demon strange. It didn't, it didn't come off that way. I just thought dude was hungry, you know? <laughs> So yeah, he's just chowing down, hungry kid, and uh, likes to use his forks to <laughs> stab his dad in the hand. That's right, because nothing <laughs> says Christmas like stabbing your dad in the hand with a with your spaghetti fork. <laughs> Which ew, he continued to eat the spaghetti afterwards with you know, that there's, same fork. There's protein. There's nutrients. No, it's man. all good. No, 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 no. Not cool. <laughs> <laughs> I say nay to that. What kind of message <laughs> does that send to the kids that are watching who shouldn't be watching? Um, yeah, so that happened, and that was, of course, the start of, uh, you know, you start seeing cracks in a relationship between mom and dad. So uh, Scott and Kim, basically, Scott is a believer in corporal punishment and wants to discipline his child. Kim is against it and holds him back. They start arguing about it, of course. Uh, you know, he says, you deal with this fine. And he walks off the tin in his hand. Meanwhile, uh, the little kid, uh, Will, ends up going to his room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then some weird stuff happens that is not cool at all. Really not cool. Really creepy. And I'm glad it didn't go any further than it did because... It went far enough. It went pretty far. <laughs> So, you know, the parents, they're talking and they make up a little bit and they're about to hook up and everything. I mean, they're married. I shouldn't say hook up. They're about to have sex. And (laughs) dad gets turned down. He goes off in the huff. Mom starts having some type of weird dream where she's seemingly enjoying herself. Uh, I should also mention that, you know, she caught young Will spying on her in the shower and so, yeah, you start seeing this bulge coming up from the covers, and she's really in the throes of passion in her sleep. 
And then you see a little tiny hand come out, and that's where I'm like, okay, I, I, I'm done. That's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So the creep factor is definitely there. If you're looking to get creeped out, that's the moment right there. It's like, oh my god, that is nasty. With a capital N. With a capital N. But you know what? Thankfully, <laughs> that plot thread is resolved <laughs> <laughs> to the point where we we discover that uh, the 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 thing that is uh, inhabiting this household is not Will because Big Earl, um, who seems like a hillbilly, somehow has <laughs> wonderful Google Foo skills and by the license plate of their car, finds the number to Scott and Kim and calls Kim. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still a little fuzzy on that, but just we'll go with it. We'll go with it. So he calls them and says, hey, look, hey, um, that thing's not your son. And you got to get him out the house before something terrible happens. <laughs> and of course, Kim's like, you're just full of crap. You're wrong. Goodbye. And, and yeah, apparently that's... what convinces her is she starts Googling it. And apparently lots of kids are impersonated by changelings. And uh, and so she starts to believe it. Um, <laughs> so and, and this whole time during the, the super creep scene with uh, her on the bed, we see Scott in the living room sleeping. So, you know, it's not him doing stuff. So he's, he's chilling in the living room and then he kind of wakes up and realizes that, hey, that wonderful gift I gave to my wife is open and shattered on the floor. Yeah. Let me just add here. As soon as I saw he was wrapping a present that said to my lovely wife. On the on the actual card, I knew he was done for. I knew that was it. <laughs> I think this man cares about this woman too much to survive this horror film. It's not looking good for him. You know, it doesn't even have to be a horror film. It seems like any movie where there's love, um, you know, that that person's got to die. I am a leaf on the wind. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Please, gosh, no, <sighs> no, man. It's the holidays. How dare you? I'm just a jerk like that. No. Joss wins the freaking jerk. It's not me. That's right. That's right. <laughs> let's let's rein it in. Let's go back. Let's go back. We got to finish this up. <laughs> so, of course, Scott bites the big one. <laughs> He's done for, man. That's it. He's in the corner, leaned up on the wall. His hand is chopped off. And he's just got the belt that he was going to discipline Will with earlier wrapped around his neck. And he's got Christmas, he's decorated with Christmas lights. That's right. That's right. Oh, I completely glossed over the fact that Will was climbing on the ceiling earlier, but you know, whatever. That's, you know, horror movie. Things happen. Well, like that. you know, kids do that anyway. That's that's just a thing with kids. I know I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, we And another, uh, once again, I'm thankful for the jumping around because if we'd have stuck with this story just all the way through straight. It would have got kind of tedious, but we're jumping around all this other stuff going on. So, you know, that that was a, a saving grace to stuff like this. You know, we're, we're kind of left in suspense with that situation. So uh, going back to the story, Kim bravely knocks that kid out with a baseball bat and throws him in a duffel bag and takes him back to Big Earl's. Oh, Big Earl. Big Earl. Apparently, <laughs> uh, Big Earl knows what's going on and there's more than one changeling. That's right. There's a whole uh, forest of changelings. There <laughs> are. And... Uh, He's not the nicest to him and starts kicking it and kicking it. And she's like, hey, no, you don't need to do that. And she's creeped out. She still doesn't know if her son's dead or alive or whatever. And, uh, you know, big Earl's just being a big Earl. And uh, <laughs> she drops him right then and there. Surprisingly. I mean, she made that decision like in a split second. She had Scott's gun from earlier. She dropped him point blank. No mistake there. This changeling, who I got to tell you, looked like one of the zombies from Plants vs. Zombies, gets all in her face and he's like, respect. And he goes back in the tree. He doesn't say respect, but he kind of like nods a little bit. <laughs> so he goes back in the in the, in the the knoll of the tree and lo and behold, out comes our little asthmatic. And I can say that because I'm also asthmatic. Hey, out comes our little adorable <laughs> asthmatic and he's safe and sound. <laughs> Thankfully, it's a Christmas miracle. Everybody's okay except for Scott, but, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Scott didn't deserve that, man. He was really just, he was an old, he, he was suffering, I want to say from PTSD, because he saw some crazy stuff in that high school. And then he just died. He died because he was in a horror movie. That's it. Yeah, yeah poor guy. R.I.P. All right, so <laughs> that's the end of that story. <laughs> 
Still no idea how the police uh, clean that one up. Our third story. Now, this is where things start picking up a little bit. We actually have an appearance by Krampus. Yeah, so this one is uh, a family. Caprice and Duncan are traveling with their parents in order to visit their elderly aunt, Etta. During their visit, Etta tells them about the mythological creature, Krampus, which frightens Caprice, especially after Duncan purposely misbehaves. These kids were terrible, dude. I mean, just awful children. And then, like, she... It's like, oh, no, it was her fault. It wasn't your fault. Well, no wonder he's terrible, because that's how you raise the kid. It's, <laughs> But, I mean, the stuff they were doing, like, the kid was basically like that cat that's always trying to push stuff off the counter, you know, little boy. And uh, the girl... Push the glass off the table with a book. And... Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> basically, he he um, is responsible for bringing on the Krampus, because he knocked over the Krampus figurine and broke it, and um, the the caretaker of, of the great aunt, uh, his name was like Gerhardt or something like that. Now, what's funny is he was the caretaker, but he was pretty much the same age as Aunt Etta. So I don't know what he was doing. <laughs> he was doing some caretaking. Yeah, he was. Because I was sure this is like her boyfriend or her lover or something <laughs> like that. But yeah, man, Gerhardt was just, yeah, he was, he was there. So the family, of course, uh, well, I shouldn't say of course, the family... Gets kicked out on Etta's house. She's like, I don't like you. Merry Christmas. Get out of here. Because they're all kind of like sketchy anyway. And they're driving home and they're arguing back and forth. And their car stalls on the side of the road. Four people. Car stalls on the side of the road. Well, no, it gets stuck in the snow. Four people in the car. They couldn't push the car out of the snow. I don't understand that. Whatever. <laughs> Selfish people. Uh, <laughs> so at this point, um, they start running through the woods. And sir, as promised... This is where it starts getting good mm-hmm. because the movie stops being a B horror movie and becomes a level from Mortal Kombat X. Scorpions <laughs> throwing spears at people, man. It's awesome. It's actually Krampus, but still, man, he's all get over here and dragging kids. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nothing says Christmas like a good old evisceration. That's right, man. He finished them. <laughs> <laughs> I got to tell you, um, Krampus, the actual monster himself. Now, we were about an hour into the film before we actually saw him full on. So they they definitely made us wait on that. But I feel like it was worth it. The makeup, the actual like, uh, you know, just uh, prosthetic job they did on this on this version of Krampus. It looked pretty great. Yeah, I was OK with it. Uh, you know, it's it was solid and uh, it was frightening. And, you know, they went back and forth to and from it quick enough that you didn't get a chance to really notice any big flaws. That's very true. And, you know, if for some reason you're still listening to this and you, you haven't seen the movie, he basically looked like a cross between Kratos and a goat. <laughs> that's that's the best I can describe it. But it was pretty great, man. I feel like they spent the most money on this film for William Shatner, and second runner-up was the Krampus makeup itself. Yes. Because it was, it was pretty dope. We meet Krampus. Krampus meets the family. He's putting holes in everybody and ripping them in half and everything like that. The only one that really escaped is the daughter. And she goes back to Aunt Etta's house to try to find some salvation there. Try to find some sanctuary. And Aunt Etta, it turns out, is not, not the innocent in this story here. <laughs> not at all. Uh, it, yeah, it basically comes out that she sent them away, knowing that the Krampus was going to come, and wanting the Krampus to go after someone that's not near her. <laughs> and she knew that nothing smelled as bad as the stank coming from this horrible family. So she kicked <laughs> them on out, told them to go about their merry way, and Krampus was allowed to, to hunt them. But, here's the twist. The daughter, having accepted the spirit of Krampus into her soul, became Krampus herself. You've been very naughty, Aunt Edda. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's where we were left. And by this point <laughs> in the movie, I got to tell you, I was a little frustrated because based on the movie, uh, the, the actual like poster for the film, I was promised a fight between Santa Claus and Krampus. And that hadn't happened. He, and the he, Krampus story was over. And he did not save the day for them. No. <laughs> no, he did not. But I will I will warn our audience, if you ever accept the spirit of Krampus and become the Krampus, do not stick your tongue underneath someone's door. 
Oh, it's just going to get stabbed. Yeah. I mean, that's just that's that's a good tip for anybody. If you're able to stick your tongue under doors, don't do that. So Gene Simmons, keep your tongue in your mouth. <laughs> it's, it's just not going to end well for anybody. No. <laughs> <laughs> there are many different ways we can go with that for that comment, but we're going to move <laughs> on. We're going to trudge on to the real spirit of Christmas. Yes. To jolly old St. Nick. Now, this story has been weaved throughout these other stories, so keep that in mind. In fact, at the top of the movie, we were shown St. Nick, scar across his face, getting his sleigh ready to go out. Man, this is the most hardcore version of Santa Claus I've ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he was looking pretty sweet. He's getting his deer ready to go, and then... uh... Looks like something's pounding on the door on the the door to the barn where the reindeer are, and then it goes back twelve hours and starts telling us all these stories. Well, now we're to the the grand finale of Santa Claus. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. This is no mere Santa Claus from Rise of the Guardians. Uh, even though that dude was kind of hardcore too, he had tattoos and everything. That was dope. <laughs> but yeah, so this Santa Claus, basically, he's preparing for Christmas. He's got a Somehow strikingly gorgeous uh, Mrs. Claus. Because, you know, Mrs. Claus is usually kind of frumpy and, you know, it's got the white hair and everything. They gave him this beautiful woman (laughs) who was just so kind-hearted and just kind of like, I don't know, she kind of seemed like a flower child almost. Not really a Mrs. (laughs) Claus, you know. And and she came, and not only was she beautiful and young and thin, she brought cookies. Right. Cookies. But you know what? That wasn't good enough for one of the elves, man. I forget who it was. Like, I think, and the elves had such terrible names. Like, I think one of the names, like, Sketchy, you know? <laughs> Shiny, yeah. Yeah, Jingle, you know? Just, like, real, just on the nose. Like, if you've ever, oh, my God. If you've ever watched the Elf in the Shelf cartoon where they start naming all the different names they can give the elf before they settle on one, basically every elf in this movie is given those terrible names. <laughs> That's a deep cut, and I'm sorry. All right. <laughs> But I will not apologize for my enjoyment of this film. Oh, no, because the next few scenes in this sequence are filled with Santa going on a killing spree of zombie freaking elves, man. Very potty mouth. <laughs> zombie elves. Man, I've never heard elves speak like that. I mean, sailors. Sailors yeah. were cringing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're talking like exorcist type swearing, man. They were <laughs> they were cutting deep, man. It was just terrible. They were talking about Santa, they were talking about Mrs. Claus, just all kind of, I'm, you know, using the C uh, word. Like, whoa, dude, ac- calm down. <laughs> accusing Mrs. Claus of bestiality? I yeah. mean. Yeah, that all happened. That all happened. But they got what was coming to him because Santa had a staff that he just. All right. Here's the funny thing, too, to me anyway. Santa knew what to do. All right. Like, he. These are his trusted like servants that he's been with for millennia. At the at the beginning of the segment, they basically say, "Yeah, elves don't die," you know. So he's been with them forever. They're his his family, his children, pretty much. But as soon as they started turning, dude took this staff that he had sitting over in the corner and just started <laughs> sharpening the end of it against the fireplace, like the granite from the fireplace, until it was just like you know, just blade sharp. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and I should also take a point. I should, I should take a moment to mention Santa. His his village. It looks like a castle. It looks like if you play Skyrim, it looks like the College of Winterhold. It's just so intricate, <laughs> and it's very gothic and dark. And you almost expect something bad to happen there. Yeah, and old boy does it ever. Every mm-hmm. elf is turned. Every single one of them is slaughtered by Santa Claus, putting them out of their misery. And you know, the entire time he's he's living with the idea that he sent Mrs. Claus away so she'd be fine off at another part of the of the uh, facility. No, unfortunately. He gets to the point, uh, he gets to the part of the, um, the factory where Mrs. Claus is hiding, and it turns out she's been turned as well. If I could take a minute right here, that portion of the factory is kind of dope because it just shows they have a warehouse full of stuff that the elves can't normally build, with like wood and stuff like that mm-hmm. that people may ask for like ceramic mugs and globes and plants and stuff like that so it's more like an amazon warehouse than an actual like <laughs> sales workshop and i think that's good that's a, that's a cool little update there so that was neat 
but yeah, he ends up killing everybody, and he finally, uh, we finally catch up to the beginning where we meet Santa the first time with that giant gash on his face that Mrs. Claus gave him. We found out finally, I get my fight. I get to see Santa Claus versus Krampus. Yes, and it's a great fight. Right, Santa's busting out some moves that he should not be busting out as a big man. You know, <laughs> like I like wrestling. Kevin Owens, he busts out these top rope maneuvers that he shouldn't bust out. He's a dude. He's a big dude. He's like my size. And he's busting out 480 splashes off the top rope. Santa Claus is doing some jujitsu. And it wasn't like a stuntman and like a, a suit or anything. This is like the actor actually doing this stuff. It was crazy. Or at least I think it was. So he, he goes in for the killing blow for Krampus. And that's when things get a little nuts. I did not see that coming. Neither did I. I did not I see that coming. This movie, my friend. <laughs> it is not a good movie. It is not a good Christmas movie. It's a subpar horror movie. But everything leading up to that moment completely blindsided me to what was actually going to happen here. And that's why it is wonderful. <laughs> So yeah, oh. he was having he was he was uh, he was tripping out. It, it didn't happen, man. It was it was Storm and Norman the whole time. It was Storm and Norman, and and through through the movie they'd been talking about. You know, William Shatner's character was saying that you know there's supposed to be this food drive at the mall, and Storm and Norman's going to be there. And then there are reports that something bad is happening at the mall. And then don't go to the mall. Police are saying stay at home. And well, what's been happening at the mall is Santa is killing all the elves. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All the oh. shoppers, all the elves, all the 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 kiosk workers, and everything, and they just go. They flash to every moment that he's been going through, and ah, uh, it, it's it's beautiful. It's nasty, but it's wonderful <laughs> the the way they snuck that in on us. And so, of course, they close it out at that point. And I feel like they left it open for a sequel. They could come back to this world if they really wanted to. Yeah, this town. I mean, there's still a lot more people who could die in this town. Right. Right. But it was just kind of, um, I don't know, it wasn't too clear whether or not these other stories were part of the hallucination or not. It'd be very difficult to pull that off for Norman. You know, that'd be like going deeper into a wormhole. But who knows? Who knows? I like this movie, dude. I thought it was good. (laughs) 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 Yeah. 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 There's just, you know. There, there were a lot of really cool things on here, and it was a bad movie. But in some ways, it was so bad it was good. And there were, there were some things you didn't see coming that worked very well, like Norman. Like no Norman. one saw him coming. <laughs> <laughs> well, folks, I really hope you enjoyed this movie as much as I did. And if you didn't enjoy this movie, I hope that you had a good time here in it as much as uh, Dave just liked it. <laughs> I know, is, is there anything you want to recommend instead of a Christmas horror story for folks to enjoy over this holiday season? Oh, I don't know. I mean, well, it, I guess it depends what you're going for. It's, this is completely unrelated, but uh, last week when we were talking about what to watch next, um, we mentioned that uh, both of us happened to like um, While You Were Sleeping. Yes, yes. Uh, you, unfortunately, you don't get to see Santa killing elves in that movie. I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, but if you're looking for a good romantic comedy that's palatable to wide audiences, good stuff. Um, Critters. Critters, yeah. Critters, yeah. if you want to go way back. <laughs> <laughs> if you're looking for a good Christmas movie, um, I know a lot of people, of course, their go-to in these modern times is Die Hard. Uh, I would go with Trading Places. It is a, you know, a well-celebrated film. I know it's not underrated at all, but, you know, you don't get to see Dan Aykroyd in his prime very often anymore, uh, let alone Eddie Murphy. So that's worth checking out. I love it. I, I watch it every year, pretty much that and Coming to America, but that's not a Christmas movie. So we'll save that for <laughs> another time. But yeah, Trading Places is good. Uh, if you're in a horror mood, I mentioned Ash versus the Evil Dead. They just finished their second season. And it is definitely as gory as you want it to be. They get away with so much in that in that show because it's on stars. And uh, yeah, they, they definitely push the boundary there. Good so times. Good times indeed. Well, and for our next episode, we'll be going on something that uh, 
isn't too far afield, but uh, we got some recommendations from some people who are hopefully listening into this. Uh, we will be catching Troll Hunter. That's right, man. We were actually uh, given a heads up about this movie from Christopher Martinez. Um, I'm sure a lot of you have heard of Troll Hunter. It's it's being celebrated as one of the best movies of the year. So we're going to put it through its paces and see what we think of it. Um, I would also like to mention if any of you folks listening have an idea of something that we should check out, whether it be an underrated movie or a game you feel like should be getting more attention that's available for, for streaming on any of the streaming services or available to download on Steam or, you know, free from a website that will not infect our computers, <laughs> please feel free to reach out to us at the3dcast on Twitter. Indeed. Um, so you mentioned before that there was also something that Chris has going on that... Oh, yeah. Thank you for jogging my memory, because this is something that I should probably bring be bringing up as well. Chris is actually going to be my first guest on the first official episode of Since Last We Spoke. Chris is a good friend of mine. I've known him for a very long time now. He's also in a rock band called The Elder Kings. He is in a wrestling promotion, uh, CWA, the Chicago Wrestling Association. He is also um, a comic artist. He does a little bit of everything. And um, if you think I'm busy, just wait until you hear the conversation I have with Chris. And so you can catch that on your favorite uh, podcast player. Also, that's at uh, on Twitter at, at Spokecast, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. You can check it out there. Uh, and of course, for all your Matt Peters related podcast needs, you can go to MightyInc.net. We have links to Kimbo. You can click on them and not have to type in long things on your phone while you're driving. Good call. And you can catch me <laughs> at Agents of Game. We have agentsofgame.com and all sorts of other related things. And we are also typing a verse, so uh, finding things easily is always good times. Yes, yes, yes. Really cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look forward to our coverage from CES, folks. It's going to be awesome. We hope. Fingers crossed. Knock on wood. All that good stuff. Anyway, you will not be disappointed. It's either going to be an epic fail that you can tell all your friends about, or it's going to be something that you will be talking about for generations as the best CES coverage ever. Nothing in between is acceptable. Nothing in between is acceptable. And with some luck, we will have not just some awesome uh, tech there, but also a few interviews, videos. Maybe, if I'm lucky, we could get some resnaculous action, too. Well, yeah. I mean, that, yeah. It's Vegas, man. Gotta happen. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right on. Well, thanks, everybody, for joining in, ladies and gentlemen. It has been fun. And we shall catch you in the next dumpster. That's right, folks. See ya. <laughs>